Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And we're El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Here's Douglas, the wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa! Villa's a big club, mate, so... Gather round, villains, and welcome to Gather Round the Lamp, our podcast all about Aston Villa from underagaslitlamp.com, in association with Manscaped. Death, taxes, and Villa losing to Brentford is what you can rely on from this show, and... As we also uh, try to whip up some some FA Cup fever ahead of something else that is all too inevitable, a third round tie against Manchester United. I'm Andy, now COVID free, and I'm joined by Craig and Dan. Good afternoon, evening, good night, depending on what time you're listening to this. I am Craig at Craig Starred on Twitter, and I am here in the new year, and I am irked by this result against uh, Brentford, but... Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, hi gents, hi listener, Dan here. Uh, good to be back. I didn't realise it's a new year. I've lost all track of time over the festive period, as you do, and, and I'd completely forgotten it was last year that we recorded our last podcast. So, Happy New Year, gents. Happy New Year! Woo! Yeah, I was going to say Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're all, uh, hope, hope you're all doing okay, and uh, the long month of January's ahead, I hope... Um, Maybe we can we can help you through it a little bit with our with our shows, but um, we'll get into it. And Stephen Gerrard was was back in the excuse me back in the Villa dugout for for one for this one and determined to buck the trend of recent a recent dismal run against the bees. Ollie Watkins was absent from the matchday squad against his former club with uh, suspected COVID. Although Villa Twitter had him uh, signing for Arsenal and Liverpool and and whoever else. Um, on the day with Danny Ings leading the line Bertrand Traore made his first start of the season Tyra Mings was suspended so the returning John McGinn took the armband there was also a place on the bench for 16 year old Josh Feeney as Villa's defensive cover suddenly started to look decidedly threadbare five players under 20 um, or 20 and under on the bench for this one Um, but we can't have too many complaints about the the lineup here, guys. Not not too many complaints, I don't think. But I I think there is one complaint, and I think it's been made by a few people, and that was the inclusion from the start of Bertrand Traore. And now, long time listeners know that I am a lover of the wizard Bertrand Traore. I I think I love his magic dance. I love his magic boots. Um, but just you know, as we always say on this show, context is king. The man has started a game for Aston Villa since last season. Um, he's been out for most of this season with different kinds of injuries. So the idea that he was fit to start this was a little bit odd, uh, particularly when um, you've got my beautiful baby boy, Amwai El Ghazi, or potentially the option of pushing Ramsey further forward, as we've seen in previous games, and then bringing Sanson into the middle uh, with the return of, of the aforementioned John McGinn. Um, so that was a little bit of an odd one. And I don't think Bertie was 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 fully at the races. I think Bertie gets a hard time anyway from, from the fans. And he won't have done much to... Uh, 
much to have, much to quell some of those uh, uh, haters or doubters with his performance against Brentford. But I feel for him because there's no way he was match fit. So I think that was a bit of a, an odd choice from Gerard, and I think that that Bertie um, was was um, was just not quite at the races. But other than that. Yeah, not probably a lot, a lot else to be done with the starting eleven because we have so many injuries and absences. Yeah, I mean, the Bertie one's interesting. I think, Andy, I was messaging you during the game and saying he's such a frustrating player because he does something incredible that you just wouldn't see coming and then screws up a five-yard pass. And it's so frustrating to watch him. But I was a little bit irked with a starting lineup. I think like the, the way we're playing with those three narrow strikers, if they don't work hard, then it's a real top-heavy formation. And, and I don't think Ings, for all his work doesn't work as hard as Watkins and Traore is definitely not a tracker in the ball so we started to look like we were taking Brentford a little bit lightly I felt like even though you know as you say squad's threadbare at the moment it's hard to know who we'd put out but I'd have preferred to see Ramsey up in that forward position just to give us a bit more work work rate and I think he's better suited up there too but but you mentioned Josh Feeney there and I know it was a case of all hands at the pump because we were injured but fair play to the lad he's 16 years old and on the bench for a Premier League game I mean I hate to think what I was doing when I was 16 years old but I certainly wasn't match fit for a Premier League side that's for sure I can imagine what you were doing when no. you were 16 <laughs> <laughs> Kansas San Miguel it's the same as I'm doing now Maybe we'll leave that there, that uh, rabbit hole. But anyway, we, yeah, we. I mean, it, the only thing I would have said was, and it's all hindsight, isn't it? Because at the time, I was quite pleased to see Bertrand Troyore starting, um, and particularly as we'll talk about the, how the, the the game started to pan out. I thought it, it looked we looked quite dangerous, but I think in hindsight, you kind of think, well, you know, if it, and we say this sort of quite a lot, but if you're Kani Chukwameka and you know you're behind. <clears throat> two guys in the pecking order, basically, you know, Bertrand Traore and 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 Trezeguet, who who essentially well haven't played for for months. Um, you know, you are left wondering really as as to you know where you do fit in, I suppose. And and I think it would have been a good a good game for him um, to start. Really, he's got to start at some point, and I think I think that would have been the one. Um, you know, but again, that's that's kind of hindsight, really. And but other than that, I mean, the team—it's just a case of picking eleven fit players, really, at the moment, isn't it? And you know, and seeing how they go. Um, but it was—it was an impressive start by Villa, as they quickly began to to dominate possession, and Brentford struggled with the press. There were signs that Buendia and, and Douglas Louise, in particular, could could dictate the play in the middle, and Ings looked lively up front. And then on sixteen minutes. Um, a one-two between Buendia and Luis saw the Argentine find space with a lovely little pirouette. It was a, a very McGinnian um, pirouette, I thought, um, and a delightful uh, slide rule pass um, that settings away. Uh, he finished clinically with his with his left foot. Um, it was a sign of what Villa fans have been waiting for from these big two signings, and and the relief from Ings in particular was palpable. Um, Sadly, we've seen this on on too few occasions so far. But but surely, um, even with the the outcome of the match, this will inject uh, some confidence going forward with these players. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I spoke at length about my feelings about Danny Ings last week, and and I'll leave him to one side, but. I really enjoyed his reaction. It's good to see something mean that much to a player of his calibre. And, and he's been around the block, so for a goal for our club to mean that to him, I thought was great. 
I think Buendia, though, that's ex exactly what we've been waiting for as Villa fans. We've been desperate to see that kind of magic from him. And I think he had a, a wonderful first half. The goal, that little pirouette in the past, real goal of the month contender. But what I liked most of all, it seemed to bring him to life. He's looked like a player who's just short of either fitness or confidence this season. And all of a sudden, he made that move and he was brimming with confidence. Even a little bit of arrogance about him. There was a that little spell in the first half where him and Ramsey exchanged about 10 passes between them while the, the Brentford players stood off. And and look, we'll, we'll come on to how it came back to bite us in the arse later. But I really enjoyed seeing him it lift him and, and turn him into the player we all thought we were getting. And, and sometimes that's all it takes for a player. It just needs that one moment where you do something really well and suddenly you're back to your confident best and and I'm really hoping that's the trigger for him to go on go on and have a wonderful second half of the season. Yeah, I think that that the Buendia has um has been getting gradually better. I think there's been a lot of chatter uh, rightly so uh, about Villa's summer transfer business. Uh, the previous summer I think Smith and Langer et al got it all absolutely right. You know, the the signings of Martinez in particular, uh, Matty Cash, uh, Ollie Watkins, so on and so forth were absolutely transformational for Aston Villa and took us from relegation fodder into the comfort into the comfortable cushioned couch of mid-table. Um, but now we're seeing Basically, all of the big signings from this summer uh, have struggled in one way, way, one way or the other. And so, uh, finally, to see the biggest of those signings in terms of outlay, in terms of Emi Buendia being our record signing at Aston Villa, begin to show his quality, I think is really, really important for him. And hopefully, things, things and ings can only get better <laughs> moving forward. You see what I did there? See what you did there, yeah. Yeah, very good. <laughs> also works with Mings. Um, but uh, I, th I think I think this is it. I mean, it, it's it's exciting, isn't it, when you when you see a player of that that supposed quality that we've not seen a great deal of really um, produce a bit of magic like that. You think, oh, here, here we go, you know, and it's 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 kind of it's kind of exciting. But of course, those moments tend to be more more few and far between you don't often see players just just dictating games like that and and you know and 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 pulling off these 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 amazing kind of assists and skills and and things all the time during a game um so it's important that when you when you when you do that when a player like Buendia creates an opportunity like that with with that bit of brilliance um that the striker puts it away, and we we had um I think we we had a discussion um, at the time about whether um, whether Watkins puts that chance away um, if he's in that position on his left foot. Um, what happens? No, yeah, he does not. Is it's, the short it's answer. Yeah. It's all in. <laughs> I'd agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's hard to to say because you know there are different ways of taking an opportunity. Um, Watkins might might just switch it onto his right foot and bang it in the top corner for all we know. We 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 don't know, do we? But it was certainly a great finish, wasn't it, by Ings? And it showed showed a little bit about what you know what he's all about as a striker. Yeah, the the that is what Ings is about, and that is what you're buying when you buy Danny Ings. You're buying elite finishing skills, and that is an elite finish by an elite striker. I think there is only five or six strikers 
in the league maybe who finished that on their weaker foot in that kind of position. We're looking at the likes of Harry Kane, we're looking at the likes of Lukaku, we're looking at the very best strikers. And Danny Ings is one of the best finishers in the league. His finishing has never been in question. Well, it was in question in the second half, but we'll get to that. Um, but the problem is with the Ings goal, as wonderful it was, uh, as, it, as it was, and as wonderful as the Buendia moment is, it, it harkens back to me to that John McGinn volley against Sheffield uh, Wednesday, which is popping up all over Twitter again this week. It didn't matter in the end. John McGinn scored that goal against Sheffield Wednesday. whoop de doo Villa lost the game, 2-1. We've scored that goal. It was wonderful, beautiful, and it should have been the winning goal. But it wasn't because, as we're going to talk about you know, in the coming minutes, Aston Villa just had a really soft underbelly. So it matters, yes, in terms of Buendia's confidence, hopefully in terms of Danny Ings' confidence, in terms of those two players growing into the signings that we need them to be at Aston Villa. But in terms of the result, it's absolutely meaningless because Villa have gone and lost a really straightforward game. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true for, for sure. And, um, you know, like I say, Villa, Villa did kind of control much of the, much of the first half. Um, you know, fr- from there, they kind of had that, had that look of confidence about them, um, but then almost kind of looked a bit too comfortable. Um, and I, <laughs> I don't know about anyone else, but it was no surprise to me at all when, when, when Brentford drew level. And that's not me being pessimistic or, or anything like that. This is this is me sort of seeing that 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 sign that overconfidence that that kind of almost kind of relaxed arrogance if you like of 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 the way villa started to to be and brentford didn't seem too concerned we weren't creating chances we weren't running them ragged um and it looked like um you know villa seemed more more kind of focused on those those half time origins than than defending um and Brentford put together a lovely sort of flowing move, which culminated in, a, in an excellent finish by Y Wisser up front. Um, the commentators, social media, and, and our WhatsApp group had been kind of full of uh, Villa's dominant display, but but this wasn't a, a total surprise um, to me. And, and and as Villa again sort of contrived to allow their soft underbelly to get tickled. Yeah, and it was it was it was soft. Um, I I was um, relaxed as the Villa players were. You know, it seemed like Brentford couldn't get out. They they were shorn of any kind of ideas or or, or creative threat. It seemed like uh, they were just playing across the back um, and and seeing it to half time. And then all of a sudden, they put together a couple of passes. Uh, Matt Target comes and gets involved with something you shouldn't come and get involved with uh, unless you're going to win the ball. Uh, Jacob Ramsey has decided against tracking his runner and all of a sudden Hawes is caught in kind of no man's land does he does he try and go go to challenge for the ball or does he try and you know in the, in the end he's caught in the middle in in a poor position actually for Horse and then the uh, the the Wisser Wisser Misser Wissa didn't miss her with a wonderful outside of the boot kind of uh, it was just a, well whatever it was it was a beautiful finish and that was just such a such a surprise, but it was such an easy goal. Again, you know, we gave away goal. It's the Aston Villa goal giveaway club. Steven Gerrard was supposed to put a stop to this, but we've seen last week against Chelsea two penalties, uh, Matty Cash and, and and the nonsense with the Lukaku and the Lukaku goal as well. And now we're seeing again two really soft goals. You just can't win games of football if you need to score three or four goals every week. It's just not possible. 
Yeah, it's starting to become a worrying trend. I mean, not just... I mean, it was there in the Dean Smith days. We were we were leaky as anything. But but Gerard's come in, and if I'm right, he's only had one clean sheet in his run of games so far. And, and sure, there's been tough fixtures in there, but we're still conceding goals at a pretty alarming rate. And I think what worries me is we're conceding them from all the same places. Out wide, for pretty much every goal we concede, we're overloaded out wide. And, and it's obviously... You know, the system's very narrow. That's how Gerard wants to play it. But either the players haven't been coached properly with it or we don't have the players to play it because teams seem to know how to get at us and that's to push men out wide, overload our fullbacks, get one of those centre-backs out there and, and then you cut inside us. And I think it's a, a combination of the team needing more time in the training pitch, but also we've got a lot of square pegs and round holes at the moment. I think Courtney Hall showed why he's an understudy and not starting centre-back for us because he's not mobile enough. Jacob Ramsey, much as I love him, I'm not sure he's an outside midfielder in this formation. We need someone a bit more defensive. And and yeah, Traore, Ings and Buendia weren't pressing hard enough up top. So I think, I think Gerard's got a problem on his hand because he's, he's clearly not a dunce. This formation must work for him, but we just don't seem to have the players for it at the moment. And and partly because of our DNA of giving up stupid goals, but partly tactically, we just seem to be easy to get at once teams know how to get at us. I think... I think that's the that's the big thing, isn't it? Like a manager will will do so much, and can coach a team to a certain level um, with the players that that are available. But there's no there's I always say there's no kind of um, uh, replacement for for having you know the best quality players you can to fit the system you want to play. And you know Gerard has not been as yet afforded the opportunity. You know, to to mould the team how he how he wants it. Really, he's obviously just taken over from Dean Smith's um, Dean Smith's team, and they obviously, you know, he wants to play a different way. It's worked up to a point. It works against perhaps against certain teams, <clears throat> or maybe there was a bit of a, a new manager bounce. You know, but but I do think we're starting to see, um, you know, just just how deep the problems. Are potentially, and it's not. The thing is, it's not massive. It's not like it's rotten or or anything like that. You know, there's still, you know, a very capable mid-table outfit. But I think to to get to where we want to be now, it's it is a case of of um, really looking in the in the market in the in the next two or three windows, and uh, you know, and and, and moulding that that eleven because there are players in that team. I mean, I said after the game that I, I, you know, happily see five or six out the door this this month. You know, and well, maybe I was in, go on. Which, if, if that's the case, and and you're not the only one to make the point. Uh, lots of Villa fans on on Twitter, uh, lots of fo- uh, Villa fans on the phone-ins have made the point: Ah, oh, these players aren't good enough. These players aren't good enough. These players aren't good enough. If the players aren't good enough to get any better than mid-table eleventh place, like Dean Smith finished with them then why the hell was he sacked? If this is the player's level at mid-table and we need more players to push up to 7th, 8th position in European football, then why has the manager been sacked for getting the most out of the players that you can get? I mean, I I think people who wanted Smith out, you can't have it both ways here. Uh, And obviously we're not people who wanted Smith out on this podcast. Either Smith wasn't good enough because he couldn't take this group of players past 11th place or the group of players aren't good enough and they need to be replaced. So, you know, it, it, it can't be both ways. It has to be one or the other. 
I'd agree entirely. I thought it was a really interesting in the, the pregame on Sky. They were talking about uh, this is where Villa should be, and they said, "Oh, should they be pushing for Europe?" And they're like, "Oh, not yet. They still got some work to do." And and they're kind of like, "Yeah, that's we all knew that was the case. I know we we all got a bit excited preseason with the signings and the great year we'd had last year, but." 11th in the table is about par for the course for Villa right now and and it's what Dean Smith probably would have done it might have been taking us a bit longer to get there and and it's where Gerard seems to be putting us and and I you know it's been nice the new manager bounce is true and it's nice to have new ideas and fresh faces around the place but I don't think we're performing that much better and and I know we'll come on to to ins and outs later on in the pod but increasingly the summer business is starting to look really bad in hindsight of just how we don't have the players we need in the positions we need them and and whether that's Gerard and his tactics or Smith and his tactics we just don't seem to have the right pieces yeah yeah and I think I think the big the big thing is is when you look at that summer business and the, the the one player that we are desperately missing is Ashley Young. You know, that's the kind of says it all really, because he, he had been so crucial um in the early few few matches with, with, with Steven Gerrard in in kind of being a leader really as much as anything. But obviously, you know, obviously a quality player as well still. But yeah, I mean it's it, it it's it's a bit concerning and obviously the second half Followed kind of a similar pattern to the to the first half. Um, Villa largely in control of the ball, but unable to create anything meaningful. Um, and again, it felt inevitable that that Brentford would take advantage of, of Villa's ambivalence to score goals. Um, and some some again some classic car crash defending, uh, mainly involving Hawes and Target, led to Rasmussen um, firing past Martinez at the second attempt. This is a definite candidate for the the goals giveaway club, I think. And as as Villa's um, spirit of of Christmas giving extended past New Year for this one, Craig. Yeah, uh, Rasmussen with his first ever Premier League goal, and and wasn't it lovely? Um, couldn't finish the first one. No worries, lad. Have a second bite of the cherry. Um, I would encourage anyone, especially you, Daniel, to take a look at this goal again and have a look at your pal Trezeguet. (laughs) Trezeguet is someone that we credit with being defensively aware and and a hard worker. He kind of jogs in a circle for that whole move while Rasmussen is open, open, open. Now, if... Villa are exposed on the open on on the other side a lot with the switch of play and and that was how Rasmussen was 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 allowed all the the freedom of 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 the uh, of the I was going to say the Vitality Stadium it's not the Vitality Stadium <laughs> it's the Brentford Community Stadium and um, and Trezeguet is 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 absolutely in no man's land he has to sniff out the danger and go and help his fullback there he doesn't bother horse. I'm not going to be too critical of Courtney Horse because I do think he's a good squad player and I also do think it asks a lot of him when we don't see him for three or four months at a time and say, come on, Horse, be be fresh, be bang at it. He doesn't get to play any under-23 games. Villa were out of the cup early, so he's not had any cup games. I mean, Gerard doesn't even bring him on for 10, 15 minutes here just to keep him fresh. So I think it is a lot to ask Courtney Horse, but, you know, the the, 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 the clearance wasn't good enough. Target's all at sea. And, and, and you talk about leadership. 
Um, obviously, the defence was really missing Tyrone Mings. You know, as much as people hammer Mings, he is the leader at Aston Villa. He is the, I, I think I tweeted that Villa, you know, kind of like a soulless rabble without Mings. And that is one of the reasons why Mings and the likes of Ashley Young are so important, because I think if we have those leaders on the pitch to kind of, you know, hold fire, that wonderful goal may have been enough. And maybe we win that game 1-0. It's not pretty, but we're away with the three points and no one cares. But unfortunately, it was just calamitous from 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 start to finish. And and these are these are winnable fixtures that we've 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 just squandered there. You know, a, a nice win to start the new year off and 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 it's it's just really frustrating actually. Well, hold on. Let's just back up on the Trez criticism for a minute. Uh-oh. And he was... You're right. He was at fault for the goal, but... There'll be more later, Dan. <laughs> he was at fault for the goal, but if we're going to say we can't criticise Courtney Hawes when he's not played for three or four months, Trez is just back from a major injury. He's barely got any game time to get match fit. Didn't look fit. Even just to look at him, he didn't look fit. And that's me saying that, having stuffed myself silly over the Christmas period. And this is not the game to bring him on in it. Just, I, you know... I'm a little bit baffled with a substitution when you've got a supposedly fully fit Anwar El Ghazi on the bench. Why we're bringing on a half fit Rusty Trezeguet in that game, I think it's beyond me. Or we've got Chuck Womanker on the bench, or we've got a host of other players. It's I, He was at fault for the goal, but I also think it was the wrong substitution and the wrong match. But sadly, that goal has got all the hallmarks of what seems to be a Villa defensive calamity this year there's a couple of deflections in there which we seem to attract so many deflections as a club there's some bad defending some players switch off and poor Martinez does everything he can but looks bewildered at what's in front of him and I don't know what's happened to that lovely solid defense from last year where it was no worries we always kept a clean sheet Uh, we're just porous again now and it's 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 horrible schoolboy stuff week in week out on these goals i i don't mind conceding screamers or well work goals but goals like this are just so disheartening to watch as a fan i think that's it and like we can we could come on here couldn't we and say well ming's being there makes all the difference um but we concede this these goals with ming's in the side as well don't we you know, I think it's somewhat better and we, we look more organised and we certainly look more powerful at the back with Mings in. Um, but it's not like, you know, Mings not being there has, 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 has suddenly, you know, and we, and we can't keep the ball out of the net. This, this, this goes on. In fact, you know, Mings was, was, was heavily criticised for one of the goals last week against Chelsea. So, you know, it... It's yeah, a, that, that, that is Lukaku, though, not Rasmussen. <laughs> the hell true. he is. True, true. I like absolutely. the way you're saying Rasmussen's are, name yeah. like he's a wizard from Dungeons and Dragons or something. There's a, there's a, there's a reason I did a play. I did the the the, uh, the, the Snow Queen years ago, and um, Hans Christian Andersen, and uh, one of the characters always just said Rasmussen like this, and so I've always said Rasmussen like that whenever I say Rasmussen. But I don't get a chance to say Ras Rasmussen very much, so that's why I'm doing it. Maybe we'll sign him. <laughs> say it every week. No, just sign him. He's the bang average. I mean, the guy. The guy won a lot. He looked like he, he'd, he'd won the winning lottery ticket. It's like I've just scored in the Premier League. Ah, anyway, yeah. I'm I'm being yeah. harsh. Uh, good luck with the rest no, of your I, career, Rasmussen. <laughs> I mean, he certainly, he certainly, um, you know, added three points to to Brentford there, and you know they are looking looking very likely to stay up now as a result of that, and and fair play to them. But yeah, I mean. You know, it's it's 
disappointing, you know, to, to concede the goal, but then the response really after um after that kind of kind of felt worse to me. Um you know, Villa Villa did kind of bring on Sanson and Trezeguet. I didn't think there was there wasn't a third sub, was there? I was racking my brains earlier. Um I don't think we made a third substitution, but Sanson and Trezeguet came on uh, to try and force an opening. Um and it was uh, we'll have to talk about it unfortunately, Dan, but um in injury time Trezeguet um did threaten to do just that. A lovely bit of wing play. Um he turned the Brentford fullback inside out, only to fall theatrically to the floor. I think that's being kind as well. Um as if being picked off by an assassin from the roof of the stand. Um it was of course, you know, an embarrassing incident, but for me it kind of summed up the Villa performance really. It's that that prevailing culture at Villa of rather than you know taking a bit of responsibility and making something happen just just trying to get something for nothing really i feel like i'm walking into a trap here (laughs) (laughs) this is made to to really catch me out i mean look it it was embarrassing it was theatrical it is panto season after all maybe he's just uh he's got a side gig while he's been coming back to full fitness but the thing is with that, we, we've come on this podcast and I know you gentlemen have mentioned before the dark arts are defending and we'd like to see Villa do a little bit more of it. The dark arts of attacking are there too and, and clearly we didn't look like we were going to score by any other means so why not throw yourself on the floor and try and con the, the referee? If if he gets that penalty and we come out of there with a draw, we're giggling about it and praising him for, for sneaking one and, and I kind of... It, yeah. It's not the British culture to have people dive in. It's a culture in other parts of the world, and, and it's part of Trez's game. We've seen him do it many times. I, I'm i not a big fan of it, but I also don't mind it. I think it, it kind of reminds me a little bit, and, and if you'll divulge me, of the, the Christopher Nolan Batman, where it's uh, you get the hero you deserve, not the one you need. And I think that's exactly where we're at at the moment. We, we couldn't bring on a player who could turn the game around for us, so we brought on a player who could try and con a point for us. And that just shows where we're at, kind of strength-wise, as a club right now. And as I say, a half-fit Trezeguet, who's been out for nine months, is not the man I'd have turned to in that, but... But it's not a great moment for me and the rest of the Trez fan club. It's it's not one we'll remember for a while. That is as eloquent a <laughs> way to try and defend your man as I think you could have done. Christopher Nolan references and everything. Um, it was a shambles from Trezeguet, um, but it wasn't the most disappointing thing. I think he was played through um, uh, about five minutes before that and he... he, he he had a couple of defenders to beat, but he's kind of bearing towards the goal. And I think his first touch went out for a throw-in and it was near the centre circle. I think that was that was where I may have said some uh, <laughs> said some choice words to my television screen over here at uh, Casa de Storid. Now, um, the thing is with, with Trezeguet, it's really interesting because he is obviously colleagues with Mo Salah and we did have I mean there is some there is a nugget of truth a kernel of truth if you will to what Daniel's saying um his Egyptian teammate uh, um uh, Trezeguet's Egyptian teammate Mo Salah we see him very cleverly winning free uh, winning penalties and free kicks um and maybe Trezeguet was in if we're trying to be defensive towards him maybe he was trying to channel some 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 Mo uh, Salah there or our old friend Jack Grealish who used to also be able to win free kicks but unfortunately 
a bit like football, he's not very good at it. <laughs> and that was absolutely calamitous uh, a, a, an attempt. And actually, the, the most annoying thing was he had a wonderful opportunity to cross. Villa had loaded the box. Uh, he can put a cross in and anything can happen. It can bounce off a defender. Uh, Ings might get bang one in off the line. Uh, you know, Sanson's in there. You know, all the Villa players are in there. And, and, and that was a real opportunity. But the, the fact that he chose that option, I mean, hopefully Trezeguet goes to AFCON. I hope he tears it up, has a wonderful, wonderful uh, time. And then I hope that uh, Fenerbahce or Galatasaray come in with a £15 million bid and we, we bid adieu to uh, Mohamed Trezeguet or Mahmoud Trezeguet, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, it was disappointing. And I think just because as well, it, it wasn't his only option. I think that's the thing. It, it wasn't, <clears throat> and I sort of alluded to this, you know, it's that let's take the easy way out here, you know. Let's let's not not try and take responsibility and try and do something that I'm actually paid to do. Let's let's try and try and you know fudge something and you know make it work that way. I do think that um, you know, I mean, I, I've never liked diving, um, whether it's a Villa player or not. It's not something I feel comfortable with, um, you know. And even now, I mean, you know, years ago, there's a chance that you get that kind of decision. The linesman puts his flag up or something and thinks he's seen something. Um, but in this day and age now with VAR, these these will get overturned. <clears throat> and I actually, I actually think players should be punished for these these things as well, uh, retrospectively. So, um, but it more it just more it sort of spoke to this this idea this this kind of culture at, at the club really of you know just 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 kind of and maybe I was just in a bad mood on the day but I just thought that's typical of what what I expect you know rather than like say try and bang in a cross or or have a, even have a, a shot or something like that you know he uh, he chose to 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 dive on the floor in a ridiculous manner and. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to see, and I, I don't like it. I, I do. I know where you're coming from, and it's indefensible. But I, it it still strikes me as an odd substitution. As Craig mentioned, his touch was off the whole of the time he was on. He looked. I mean, that's terrible. not unusual. I don't think we can count it. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't look anywhere near up to speed, and and he clearly hasn't had much football since he's come back from injury. I don't know how many reserve games he's played, but it can't have been that much. He just doesn't look fit, and he doesn't look ready. And it strikes me as such an odd choice. And, and you could see it physically, you could see it mentally with his decision making. That's that's partly rust, and and I just kind of think, why bring him on when you've got a fully fit, fully fit bench? Of, sure, some kids, but Carney, bring on Amwa, bring on one of these players who's fit and raring to, to go because we needed someone who's up to speed. If if we were winning three one and and rolling on for the for the victory, bring him on, get some minutes under his belt. But it just struck me as a really odd substitution to bring on an unfit player who's rusty when we're trying to turn a game around. I mean, he's he should be out the door on loan somewhere and he should not be coming on to try and change games for us. Don't you dare say he's going to be sold there, Craig. Don't say those words. Well, I've just pulled it up. I've just, I'm looking at his stats here um, for, for Aston Villa. Now, obviously, barring a, a purple patch in Project Restart, uh, Trezeguet has made 57 appearances for Aston Villa in the Premier League, scoring eight goals and three assists. And the most damning thing there is the three assists which is basically one assist every 20 games, which for a winger, for a supposed cre creative player, is 
absolutely criminal. Um, I think it's you know I you know I I, I Trezeguet seems like a wonderful human being, like working hard, enthusiastic, smiley. He seems like a lovely man that you just love to have around the place. But for for me, I think I've said it before. I'll say it again. His time is is. His time is up, and um, I, I, but I, I don't, you know, hate him or or or, or wish him ill will. I, I wish him all the very best, but um, I don't think he's good enough to be an Aston Villa player anymore. And he shouldn't have been on the pitch. You, you know, Dan, you're absolutely right. You know, Gerard takes responsibility for that. He shouldn't have been on the pitch. You know, I said at the start that you know, for me, I mean, Chukwemeka for me should have started, but you know, Trezeguet should certainly not be coming on. Um, you know, just the day before as well, he's due to fly out. You know, to to join up with Egypt. What's the point of playing him? There's absolutely no point. Let let Egypt get his fitness fitness up in the tournament. You know, let's us concentrate on winning the match. Um, so it was it was poor from Gerard, I think, to you know to to bring him on ahead of uh, Chukwemeka, and you know I'm not you know it was a bad it was a bad substitution, and uh, but once he's on the field. You know, take a bit of responsibility and 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 don't and don't embarrass yourself. And unfortunately, he's not he's not done that. Um, but I'm just wondering, Craig. You're talking of embarrassing ourselves. I wonder if anyone didn't take your advice and subsequently embarrassed themselves at the staff Christmas party. Well, you may have done. There may have been lots of people uh, <laughs> uh, that had opportunities in the uh, supply cupboard at the office Christmas party um, that when. They got their chopper out, so to speak. The uh, the person in question who was interested in interacting with that um, appendage was unable to do so because they were absolutely shocked and repulsed by the bushy, smelly bush in <laughs> their line of vision. And, um, you know... Just think, you know, we're talking about missed opportunities for Aston Villa. This should have been a one-nil win for Aston Villa. Get get that wonderful goal, and and shut up shop. Now, what we're dealing with is we're dealing with failure for Aston Villa. And if you did fail because of not manscaping, it's not too late. New year, new you, new resolution. You can get 20% off and free international shipping with our promo code LAMP and you can groom yourself. It's not too late. We can always improve. We can always get better unless you're Trezeguet and you can leave. (laughs) But everyone else, we can improve and we can get better. All right. And just think, next time you get your chopper out, oh my goodness, it smells nice. Oh my goodness, it looks nice. And you will have the person flat on their back quicker than Trezeguet when he's been not challenged in the penalty area and you can go to town no VAR check needed you can get in get in on goal score and move along with your day with manscape.com that's 20% off free shipping at www.manscaped.com with our promo code lamp there you go there you go well you know I couldn't have said it better myself Craig (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely, and um, we'll just compose ourselves for a minute and move on to uh, to Stephen Gerrard. Um, and and Gerrard was was rightly annoyed after the match, and I'm 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 sure the performance kind of crystallised some decisions in his mind about certain players and what the future 
may hold for them at the club. Um, on that issue, we've seen two departures already um, in the early stages of the transfer window as Keenan Davis joined Nottingham Forest on loan till the end of the season. And everyone's best wishes um, go to him for the for the rest of the season. I hope he, hope he does really, really well over there. Um, and, of, and it appears Axel Twanzebe <coughs> as well has, has cut his loan short at Villa um, and will join Napoli in Italy until the end of the season. Craig, a word on uh, on these two deals to start with. <laughs> <laughs> Axel, well done. I want to publicly congratulate you. You finally grew a pair of balls. You're finally going out of your comfort zone. Stop going down the road on loan to Aston Villa. It's time for you to get out of Manchester United, get out of your comfort zone. It is a loan, but hopefully he moves on. Um I said in the beginning, I remember, I think it was Mark and Andy, I think we were on the, the podcast. You can go back in our archives and have a listen. When we signed <laughs> Twan Sebi, I went bonkers on this show. <laughs> and I remember Mark and Andy just staring at me, um, confused and bemused about why I was so wound up about the signing. And I won't go over that territory again. <laughs> uh, you can go back and listen to it if you want. But this is something I was against from day one. What a stupid signing. What a stupid signing. This is a signing that may have seriously contributed towards Dean Smith getting the sack. Um, Axel Twanzebe messing up with that wonderful back four that, that Villa had, you know, the, the record equaling clean sheets last season. I know what I'll do, Dean Smith. I'll go get Axel Twanzebi, who was good a few years ago in the championship, and I'll disrupt that whole back line. Didn't work. Twanzebi was nowhere near good enough. Actually seems to have gone backwards and regressed as a footballer to the guy that we saw in the championship. Not up to Premier League standard at this moment in time. That doesn't mean he never will be. He may go to Napoli, do well, build confidence, and he may establish himself as the, the player that um, we all thought he would be, which is going to be an England international and kind of Premier League stalwart. I'm not saying that's not going to ever happen. I'm just saying that right now, he was nowhere near it at Aston Villa. It was a calamitous signing. I'm glad he's gone. It does now present a, a, a problem because we are short of, of numbers. But I would much rather have Josh, Fe Josh Feeney come in than, than and 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 play sixteen or not than than Twanzebe because it was an absolutely bonkers signing. And uh, um, and Keenan Davis, yeah, we wish him all the best. This is going to be his big test now because can he stay fit? Can he? We know ability-wise he should be able to thrive at that level, but um, the big question mark with Keenan isn't necessarily ability, apart from finishing, which obviously is an issue, but the all-round hold-up play is elite level. Um, his link-up play is very, very good. Close control, very good. Strong as an ox. The question is, he's going to go into the championship, which we know is Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. Can his body hold up to professional football? Um, hopefully it can, and hopefully you know, Keenan Davis can develop into the asset that we all hope that he might be one day. See, I think Davis's race is running the Villa shirt. I, I don't see a player in him. He's had so many chances not delivered this year again. I mean, I know he's not been able to get in the team, but Cameron Archer's jumped above him in the pecking order. And I think he's playing for 
another deal to go somewhere else with this move to Nottingham Forest, if I'm honest, because I don't see an asset there for Villa. I just don't see him ever coming to life for us. It's a shame because, you know, he had that little patch in the championship where he was great for us, but I just don't think he's Premier League level. I just don't think he's that kind of player. But good luck to him out on loan. I hope he bangs him in for Nottingham Forest and I'm eating my words. Uh, and I'll give a word on Twanzevi because Craig has, has had many of them and I've enjoyed listening to them over the last few months. But I agree with everything he says. It's a bizarre sign-in to sign a fourth-choice centre-back on a £5 million quoted loan deal. It's it's odd, but again, I think so much of our transfer business over the summer, in hindsight, is looking downright odd now. And whoever was in charge of these decisions, whether it was Smith, whether it was Langer, whether it was Perslow, whether it was a combination of all three, we were picking apart the Ings deal last week, picking apart the Twanzebi one this time. Leon Bailey isn't looking like hot business now either and, and doesn't look like he fits in with Gerard's system either. It's starting to look like a real dud of a summer in what was actually really exciting at the time. As I say, come January and in the cold light of day, it's looking like a real dud of a window. And it kind of looks like, you remember when Tottenham sold Bale and replaced him with five players that, that no one can ever remember now. It looks like we've done the same thing with Grealish. In a few years' time, there'll be a retro pod where we'll be trying to remember the players that we brought with the Grealish money. Yeah, I think, um, I'm just on Twanzabi, I think, I think, you know, I was um, pleased to see him back because, to me, he's one of those promotion heroes. He goes down in um, in in Villa folklore, certainly as far as I'm concerned, um, for being part of that team, and he was excellent for us in that in that time. So I was pleased to see him back just because just because of that, really. Um, but I understood as well at the time. I understood your your uh, your concerns about the deal. <laughs> Uh, my fury <laughs> your fury yeah absolutely and I think you said at the time I might be overreacting here but <laughs> as it turns out I don't think you were and and um you know you 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 picked it out where you know a lot of people were just like me were just kind of kind of happy to see a, a bit of a hero return to the club really <clears throat> but I think this is the thing you know if you're going back to a club you know for the third time you have to question yourself don't you you have to question what's going on there you know, if he'd assigned for us, if he'd have nailed his colours to the mast and said, "No, I don't. I'm not going on loan. I want to move, make the deal happen. I'll sign a four-year contract." Then you look at it differently, don't you? Because you've actually got a player then who who you feel you you've invested in, and you know he's he's not someone else's player. He's you know he's someone you can work with. He's still young enough to improve and and all that kind of thing and get his confidence back. But it was just kind of, it just felt all wrong. And there is this sense that he was playing games, you know, and we were playing a back three almost to accommodate him because he's got to play a certain amount of matches to satisfy Man United. Um, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that's certainly how it felt. You know, and meanwhile, like we said earlier, Courtney Hawes isn't getting a kick. Um, and he's having to come in out of the cold in, in big games and, and and hit the ground running because Twan has been playing instead of him, which it doesn't make any sense and it's all part of this the whole the whole thing at, at Villa, you know, really since um since the summer has just felt like they've they've lost their way a little bit. They've lost that little bit of common sense uh thinking <clears throat> which was which was you know what they thrived 
on for the previous two or three years since the new ownership came in. It's all been very much based on common sense and and building gradually and, and, and doing the right things, making sound decisions. It all went out the window in the summer. <clears throat> and I'm sure part of that was was around Jack Grealish and they, they lost their heads a little bit. But um you know certainly yeah I'm 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 now I'm I'm pleased that Twanzabi has potentially gone. Um well he has he would have been on the bench I presume if he was staying um the other day. And um you know I hope he does well but what Villa need to do now is is uh is 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 fill the squad up a bit because we are looking very very threadbare. Um, and Davis, yeah, Davis, I, I agree. I don't think there's a future for him at, at Villa. I may be wrong, um, but I think he's going to turn out to be a very very competent uh, Championship striker. I think he'll be a late developer. I think he'll be one of those that when he's sort of 30, 31, 32, he's going to really come into his own I think and, and establish himself as a you know as, as a really kind of um you know top player at that level. Um but he doesn't score enough goals to be a Premier League striker. You know, that's that's just the way it is and um it's okay to kind of recognise that and move on. Um so um all the best to him. Um but with these two leaving and, and Trezeguet and Troyori off to AFCON Nakamba and Leon Bailey looking like longer-term injuries. Suddenly, there are holes in the squad. Um, I mentioned the defence. We currently only have six first-team defenders to fill the back four um, positions. And although Watkins should return next week, options in attack are vastly reduced also. Um, It feels like a bit like two years ago, where January kind of needs to be used just as much for squad filling as, as anything more progressive really yeah I, I kind of I think we need to be wary about filling the squad because if I remember that January we had some dregs coming in through the door and it, it did not help us much whatsoever um, I, I think we need to make quality additions throughout the team and if those additions aren't there we've got to ride it out I mean we, we talk quite often on this pod about we've got great prospects coming through through the youth team and, and by all accounts we've got something of a golden generation coming through Let's be honest, we're not making Europe this year. We're probably not going down either. Fill the squad out with kids. Give them a chance. I mean, we've got we've got players there in every position, some of which are better than others. To be honest with you, I wouldn't mind seeing six months of us win the odd game, lose the odd game, but but sift through the dirt of our youth team and see if there's a few flecks of gold in there because you never know who's going to come out. The thing that really takes them from being prospects to the genuine article is game time, and and we won't get a better chance to give them game time than right now. It's It does have that feeling of a bit of a throwaway season where it's just going to be one of those transitional affairs. So unless we can sign a player that's going to improve us long term i don't see the point of signing someone for right now let let's throw some kids in let's see what happens it's it's going to be interesting if nothing else we might lose a few more games than we win but we might just find one or two players in there that we didn't think were going to be stars who are suddenly stars and and save ourselves a move in the summer but we we are looking threadbare that's for sure afcon comes at a bad time for us and and we haven't had our covid break yet so maybe we'll we'll factor one of those in and and get a game off due to absence of players but yeah throw some kids in I want to see some of those names play see some of those players play and you know let's give Archer a chance let's give Aaron Ramsey a chance let's let's throw Chris in at left back and see if he can play it just 
you know, we're not going down, or I say that touching words. Let's let's take the advantage of, of giving some players some much-needed game time. If they're not good enough, move on. Uh, Jacob Ramsey actually comes to mind when you're talking about this, uh, Daniel, because last year, Jacob Ramsey wasn't really quite good enough. We weren't really sure what, what he was. He wasn't really an attacking midfielder because he didn't seem to carry a goal threat. He wasn't really a defensive midfielder. He was kind of neat and tidy in possession. Uh, but you see, the, and I think all of us more or less on this podcast were calling for Ross Barkley to be dropped just to give Ramsey minutes last year for that exact reason. We weren't going to Europe. We weren't going down. And we were like, well, well, why the hell we play this guy from Chelsea who's not here for the long term? Let's play Ramsey, get him some minutes. And all those minutes that Ramsey got last season, even though he wasn't spectacular, he wasn't terrible either, he was steady. All those minutes we got into Jacob Ramsey last year have now come to fruition this year, where he's become a really key part of the first team. And that wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have had that development without those minutes. So I absolutely agree with you. And you talk about that uh, that that drudgery of that uh, of that transfer window. That was about desperation. We were on the brink of relegation. Samata panic buy not good enough. You know we took a hit on that. Drink water not anywhere near good enough. Um, we took a, a massive hit on that. Borja Baston, <laughs> nowhere near good enough. I mean, that was absolutely scattergun panic stations. We don't need to do that anymore. Uh, Louis Barry's back in the building. Brad Young's back in the building. Uh, Reiki's back in the building from Ipswich, Stockport and somewhere else. Carlisle. Carlisle, respectively. Um, are they Premier League ready? Probably not. Let's give him a sniff anyway. Let's give him some minutes. Let's use our youth players. Um, I don't want to see any more loan signings. People are talking about Joe Gomez. If Joe Gomez comes in and replaces Konza and he's on loan from Liverpool, I will be pissed <laughs> because he plays right-sided centre-back. I'm already getting irritated when I see it. If we bring him in on loan and we put... To, to sacrifice our, our, our lad Konza, who we're developing, to develop this guy from Liverpool, I will be furious. Like, I'm already wound up even thinking about it. None of that stuff. If, if, but again, same as you said with Twanzebi, Andy. If Joe Gomez wants to sign for Aston Villa on a four-year deal, I'd be delighted. Yeah, let's do it. If he wants to come in on loan with an option to buy and he's committed to Aston Villa, he's committed to Gerard, he's committed to the project. Yeah. But if we sign him to patch him up and, and push our, our lad Esri out or our captain Mings out, I will be furious personally. No, I know not everyone will share that view, but that's, you know, that's what opinions are. So I agree with you, Daniel. Let's see what the youngsters are, are, are made of. Even if we don't bear the fruit of that this year, you know, getting those kids minutes in, in the first team in the Premier League here and there could be really beneficial for their future moving forward. Um, so I would absolutely endorse that message from Daniel Betridge, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th I think I was having a conversation with a, a friend of mine um, today, Tom, and, and we were saying much a similar thing, really, that, you know, these guys, <clears throat> you know, I'm thinking along the lines of, obviously, Chuck Wemeka um, and Cameron Archer in particular. See, my concern with someone like Archer is that we've almost missed his hot streak. Mm. He was absolutely flying earlier in the season, scored at Chelsea, scored a load of goals in the Papadron's Trophy, and I know that's a different level to the Premier League, but he was banging them in. He looked every inch, you know, a, a natural goal scorer, um, but he kept getting ignored, you know, and obviously we've got two £30 million centre-forwards that we're struggling to fit into the into the lineup as it is. 
so fa- fair enough. Yeah, you know there is a pecking order to these things, but you're worried that you miss someone's, you know, little opportunity when they're absolutely f- flying to put them in. You know, see what they can do. If they sink without trace, then you kind of you kind of take them out again and and, and restart them and get them out on loan maybe and and, and go again. But you know, <clears throat> you just worry that that you, you miss out on that and a bit like we we maybe have have done with with other other young players in the past yeah you know, and i feel Mo- like this about chukomeka as well momentum you know, is a big there. big thing you're you're absolutely yeah. right there andy um <laughs> yeah i i just yeah. had a, a thought i'm gonna grab my tin hat here here it is i'm putting it on because this could get me some heat but if we are in a position where we've got all these injuries we've got afcon Rather than sign, doing any scattergun, Samata, Drinkwater, Joe Gomez tri- type signings who are not for the future, and this is tin hats here, so I am I know that I'm, I'm going to get hammered for this. I would much rather we recall Harahan, we recall Wesley. If, we just, if we're just talking about warm bodies that are at least Aston Villa players, Harahan we know has limitations, Wesley we don't even know if he's, you know, but if we're just talking about we need warm bodies in the building, let's use our own warm bodies. I would much rather see Harahan on, on the bench for Aston Villa in the last six months of his contract coming on to bang a free kick in or coming on to see a game out or not coming on at all, you know, just being around, you know, a great pro to have around the young kids as well. Fantastic interview actually with uh, Harahan, everyone should listen to on The Athletic with uh, Greg Evans and, and, and Dan Bardell. Or if you need Wesley to come on for the last 10 minutes, you know, long, long balls up or whatever. I would much rather we do that than be by, loaning this player or that player from the Man United reserves or the Man City reserves. I mean, but that's just me. But again, that might be absolutely bonkers to people. Problem might be the deals too. I mean, I suspect when you're, you're signing someone on a season-long loan, you, you put in a call, uh, clause that says they can't be recalled certain times. And young players, you tend to be able to recall them, but more senior players there's there's a fee that means you can't recall them but i agree like let's bring our own warm bodies on but on the kids front as well like from a club perspective this season really has a risk of just petering out into mediocrity as the season wears on i mean there's not going to be much to play for the team's not quite found its groove yet we've got a lot of players out from a sheer marketing perspective throwing the kids in makes some sense because we all love to watch the kids play and and villa fans have a lot of patience for them too i think you know the fans aren't going to get on a young lad's back just because he's misplaced a pass or he's not had a great game so there's literally i just don't see there's any better time to bring them in than now and if we don't bring them in now why are we investing in this youth academy and and andy your point on cameron archer and and chuck wamenka is is sound like chuck wamenka is already getting frustrated because he's not getting game time and if he can't get game time in this side then you know what are we doing as a club if we don't we got a prospect like that and a midfield like ours why isn't he getting more game time and you're right with Archer too I think it's another side effect of the Danny Ings signing is had we have not signed Ings Archer would have played a lot more games and and again it's hindsight it works both ways but I I really feel for him because if we'd have ridden that streak of his he you know he bangs in five six seven goals and his career's on fire from the age of 18 but as you said yourself he's gone back to the Papa John's which any league or cup sponsored by a pizza as we know with uh, with Liga is not up to the standard so uh, it's it's not but at the same time he, he was playing you know against proper teams mm. in a in a in a in a bona fide tournament and absolutely ripping it to bits you know so <clears throat> it's not the premier league standard but he also did it at chelsea yeah let's no, not forget fair. so so 
you know, I just feel like there's that hesitancy all the time. And no, we'll we'll sign a we'll sign a striker, we'll sign a, a midfielder. When actually, sometimes the thing to do, and I'm I'm not one. You look, if we're in a situation where we've got five or six young lads, you know, starting games in the Premier League, we're going to finish very close to the bottom of the league. There's no there's no two ways about it. But you know, when you've got a, a full team, sticking a, a youngster in here and there, bringing someone off the bench, this is how these players start. Gerard would have started that way himself, you know, and he'll know players that came through with him that that, that were exactly the same, you know. And, so uh, you're absolutely right. And we're only talking about the last few weeks. We're only talking about a few weeks here. Um, you know, in in a, in a month's time, in February. Um, we're going to have Bertie back. We're going to have Trezeguet back. We're going to have um, 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 Watkins should be back. Mings is back from suspension. Um, also, then Nakamba's back in March. So we're actually only using the kids to fill in these gaps um, for a few weeks. So I don't think Villa needs to do any reckless spending. And, and, and yeah, let's give them a chance, man. Give the kids a chance. I agree. It must be tempting. It's a bit like life, right? You you kind of yeah, to take Craig's story about your chopper in Manscaped before you go out. You, you go and buy a new shirt because you don't like anything in your cupboard. Whereas if you dig around in the back of your cupboard, you got something perfectly serv- serviceable. Yeah, it's not quite as sexy, not quite as exciting. You're not going to post it on Facebook, but you got a perfectly good shirt there that you can put on and save yourself a few quid. And you never know, it might become your new new favourite shirt. So. Give it a try. Daniel, I would like you to post your favourite shirt on Facebook for I don't us. Have, all listeners. my favourite shirts are in transit over the Atlantic somewhere still. But once once I get my stuff delivered, I'll post <laughs> you my favourite shirt. I hope they're not stuck in the Suez Canal. <laughs> I don't know why they are. would go that way. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyway, um, yeah, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks in terms of the transfer window. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced there'll be at least two or three new signings and maybe the same number of outgoings. Um on top of what we've seen already, but we'll we'll wait and see. Um, Villa now have two weeks off league action um, as the FA Cup returns this weekend for the, for the third round. We have, of course, join, drawn Manchester United, which is uh, obligatory at this stage, and head to Old Trafford on Monday night. Of course, we have beaten Man United this season, although both clubs have changed their managers since then. And much will depend on the priority afforded to the fixture by Ragnick and, and, and Gerard in terms of their team selections. It would seem difficult to imagine Gerard not going all out to beat Man United, but with them due to visit Villa Park in the Premier League the following Saturday, how do you see us approaching this tie and, and what would you like to see um, from us for this one? I'd like to see an 8-0 eight, eight Aston Villa win, um, obviously, but um, I'd like to see us going all out. I think as you, you both of you gentlemen have, have mentioned, gentlemen have mentioned, this season does is in danger of petering out now uh, with a couple of slack results uh, in the last few weeks. Um, doesn't look like we're going into Europe, doesn't look like we're going to get relegated, so why not go all out, balls to the wall with a cup run, so... Um, play the strongest team you have available. Maybe there will be a player or two in the, in the door before then. Uh, lots of rumours with Lucas Dean uh, uh, strong today, which is another interesting one. Doesn't seem like a long-term uh, buy to me, but anyway, that's for probably a conversation for the day. So let's have a cup run. Obviously, we were eliminated early at the Carabao Cup, which was disappointing at the aforementioned Chelsea game where Archer got the goal. And I think marvellously, Camber missed a penalty, much to the surprise of absolutely no one. And... Um, 
if we can have a cup run, if we can get past this faltering Manchester United side who are really struggling, maybe Manchester United do rest some players because obviously they have uh, Champions League and other commitments. And uh, maybe this is a great opportunity for us to have a really good cup run. And, and who knows, you know, Steven Gerrard has a wonderful relationship with the FA Cup. Yeah, I'd like to see us go all out for it. It's... Um and cup runs are important sides. So Mourinho used to put a lot of stock in in cups. I mean, in his case, it was the League Cup. But you go and win a club a cup, and it can really bring a team together. And and Villa have been short of silverware for some time. So this is our one chance of getting some this season. Why wouldn't we go for it? Um, I, I think us drawing United again. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it's getting ridiculous now. Drawing United away in the third round is there's no way the fixture computer fires this out, or, or someone drawing balls out of a hat fires this out as often as it happens. There's there's something dodgy going on here, but but judging by their defeat last night, it does give us an opportunity to see uh, a face in the flesh that you don't see that often, and it's Phil Jones, the face that launched a thousand memes, and I cannot wait to see him line up against Villa because it's just comedy. And I love, you know, I don't care if he's a good footballer or not. He is comedy time in, time out when he heads the ball. And I can't wait to see him. He'll probably bang one or two in against us now. I've said that. But I'll enjoy the look on his face while he does it. A mixture of confusion and bemusement. But it's going to be fun just to watch him and and a third string United probably beat us in the last 20 minutes when when they bring on Ronaldo, Fernandes and Sancho or something. But... Yeah, it's a, it's 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 a strange one, isn't it? You know, again playing Man United, it's in. I always get this feeling that if it's not United, I think we had Tottenham a couple of years ago when Steve Bruce mm. was there, and and even I think uh, was it the, the couple of years ago we had you know we had Fulham and lost to them. <laughs> you know, so even when we get an opportunity, um, you know, we 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 squander it at, at this stage. I'd 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 absolutely love a cup run. Um, some of my earliest memories um, watching football were, were around the FA Cup, particularly third round weekend and um, third round weekend and semi final weekend when they they'd be on the same day and they'd be in neutral stadiums and all that sort of thing. It was, it was fantastic and it's all gone now and it's a totally different um, thing now. It's 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 really not given the um, the credence it was once was, which is a shame. But I think as a as a bit of an old school um, Villa fan, this is one that I would love to see us win. You know, I haven't seen us win the league, and I haven't seen us win the European Cup. But we have done it in my lifetime. Um, whereas the FA Cup, it's it was nineteen fifty seven, um, the last time we did that. So absolutely love to 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 win it for and and for for people who I know who who've who've seen all the others. Um, I would. Uh, I would love us to have a have a good run in this. We we very nearly did it, didn't we? Um, under Sherwood, <laughs> which was an incredible, <laughs> you know. And it, even though that season was was really really turgid, um, you know that that run to the final really sort of perked everyone up, and it was it was a really great time to be a Villa fan that that few months um, with uh, with Grealish and Delph and and all the other snakes. Um, in the in the team that we loved at the time, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one. I hope we go strong, but I would like to see us. I would like to see Archer play, and I'd like to see Chukwemeka play as well. Um, and then then kind of ultimately, we haven't got many options, have we? So we have to we have to. It's not like we can play a, an alternative back four because we've only got Courtney Hawes who. Uh, who can actually come in and he was he was first choice last week. Well we so. need to just bring back Freddie Gilbert, Andy. 
Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> when you when when your defense is struggling for numbers, you need League Un team of the season so far, Freddie Gilbert to come and slide his way into our hearts and minds. Yeah. The emphasis on the, em- the emphasis on safe. I love how Andy's just not buying it again. Like, you're gonna try this every week and he's just not buying well, we it. We, we no talked about getting some warm man. bodies through the door. I mean, you know. <laughs> I'd rather cold ones. No, um, <laughs> anyway. So guys, um just the FA Cup this week. We've got mon- got to wait till Monday night. But um, predictions, Dan first. I got it right, didn't I, at the weekend? I got it the wrong way round, but I called 2-1. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I haven't been able to get a ticket for this one, even though it's just down the road from me, so I'm gutted. Uh, uh, so I'm hoping it's not a spectacular game and I miss out having not got a ticket. But I, I kind of fancy us to lose, as I say, even if we do put out a strong team. I'm, I'm a pessimist when it comes to trips to Old Trafford. But we won there earlier this year, so who knows? Anything can happen. Um I'm going 2-1 United win, though. I think 1-1 until the last few minutes and, and they roll the big guns on and, and we, we valiantly lose at the death. Are they doing... Um, is it? There's no replays right this year with the FA Cup. Am I right in thinking that? I don't think so, no. Okay, so I'm going no. Villa, Villa no. A, a, a draw and then Villa on penalties with Martinez being our penalty uh, 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 hero. Yeah, I was going to say hey. that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm going to go 2-1 Villa. I'm going to go 2-1 Villa. And there's a lot of talk, isn't there, about, you know, which which game would you rather win, the the cup game or the league? The league game, and uh, I'm go. Obviously, I'll be I'll be there for the league game on the on the Saturday, but um, I'd rather win the cup game. Me too. You know, let's have a run. Let's let's go for it. Let's get to Wembley and and uh, surprise a few. I think. And uh, yeah, I'm going 2-1 Villa. So. uh, Hopefully, hopefully that comes through. Um, but anyway, thanks for joining me, guys. It's been uh, it's been been a, a great discussion again. Um, and thanks to everyone for listening. If you want your Manscaped products, head over to manscaped.com for twenty percent off and free worldwide shipping with our code Lamp. And obviously, if you if you want to follow the website, that's you can find us at underagaslitlamp.com and follow us on all the various social media platforms. And if you are heading to, to Manchester um, for the game on, on, on Monday night, have a great one. Um, I couldn't, I didn't get a ticket. I could have got a ticket, but I didn't um, for this one because it's Monday night and I can't go <laughs> on Monday night. Rub but, it in now, Andy. Um, having, having booked the... Uh, the weekend off just in case because I love the third round weekend we ended up uh, being scheduled for Monday night which was a bit a bit annoying really but but there we go um but if you are going have a great time and um obviously if you're suffering at the minute um I hope uh, our hour of uh, of chitter chatter has uh, has helped you get through that um and other than that stay safe and up the villa <laughs>